This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. 67. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. The Scribner filling in for Jim Smalley this week. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Western... Brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance, pardon me. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com and by Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. On today's show, we're going to talk with an insect specialist about this year's grasshopper problem affecting many farmers across the province. The Canadian Crop Hail Association released their latest hail damage report and the weekly Sask Wheat Market Outlook, plus the market update, farm weather and resource report in its usual spot. We'll be back with all that right after. Easy. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gribner. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain. Your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. And brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your water well wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. Grasshoppers have been a thorn in farmer's side this year, causing significant crop damage this harvest. James Tanzi, the Minister of Agriculture's Provincial Specialist in Insect and Pest Management, says that they're currently in the middle of reports looking at this year's grasshopper population. Well, we're, we're kind of working on anecdotal reports right now. Reason being is that we actually do conduct a survey of grasshopper populations. Uh, in the province, and this is ongoing right now. So we uh, we uh, lean pretty heavily on Saskatchewan Crop Insurance Corporation, and uh, we're, we'll be looking at about 1,400 sites across the province. So anecdotally, we're looking at, uh, yeah, elevated grasshopper numbers. Uh, lots of reports of control being needed, lots of reports of multiple control uh, going down on, on certain, uh, certain fields. Uh, the bulk of the population seems to be centered in the southern portion of the province, and that's primarily south-central and southwest. And, of course, those regions were characterized by dry conditions this year and continue to be. Um, regions um, in the uh, the northeast and southeast or eastern portions of the province have seen uh, a fair bit more moisture than, uh, than the southwest and south-central regions uh, and cool spring conditions. So in areas with cool spring conditions, uh, there are still reports of, uh, of uh, significant grasshopper pressures uh, in, in some regions, but um, uh, emergence of the nymphs was delayed in those regions. Of course, these animals are ectothermic. Everything about them physiologically, behaviorally, uh, is determined in very large part by temperature. So um, we had delay emer- delayed emergence of nymphs in some of those regions, but uh, when they came on, they really uh, they really came on strong in some regions, and uh, or in some parts of uh, of even these areas that exper- experience cool, wet conditions. So uh, over the over the province, yeah, widespread reports of significant. Uh, significant grasshopper problems. And we've seen grasshoppers cause quite a bit of damage to crops. How much damage can grasshoppers do to a crop and how much can they impact a farmer's yields? If you get a heavy population of grasshoppers, they can be devastated. Devastating. I mean, they, they can turn, you know, a, a, a profitable field into a field of sticks. Uh, and they can do this do this in, in in relatively short order when they get to be mature nymphs and uh, and uh, 
you know, and are occurring in very large numbers, uh, then they can they can inflict a lot of damage on plants, and they can they can do that they can do that relatively quickly. Adults continue to feed too, and they continue to be voracious feeders. So, you know, when you're thinking about an animal that's an inch and a half long, and it's consuming a lot of plant material every day, and you you know you multiply that by you know the bajillions that might be in a field the damage can accumulate very quickly and be very substantial. Uh, many crops are imp uh, impacted. And as I mentioned before, we got four primary species. Each of these species has different host preferences. Uh, and, and that's for, for a number of different reasons. So uh, I'll talk about a, a couple. There's uh, uh, packards and two-stripe grasshopper. These are the, the, the two uh, largest of that group of four. And the females there, they can be yeah, an inch and a half long if not a little bit larger, relatively stout, and uh, females are larger than males. That's, that's pretty, much the, pretty much the norm with, with most creatures, really. Um, uh, so for, uh, um, um, for these ones, their host preferences include um, more moist and more, uh, um, more lush uh, vegetation. So they, they like um, yeah, uh, uh, forbs, as a rule, rather than grasses. And they like uh, uh, moisture climate conditions, uh, and uh, and uh, and their preferences will, will be based around that. Because of that, animals like packards, uh, they've demonstrated a real preference for uh, for pulse crops, and they can be a real problem with uh, with uh, you know crops like legumes, where you know uh, like uh, lentil, for example, where the the tolerance for those animals is relatively low because of uh, of the damage that they can do in relatively short order to those crops. Um, other animals include, uh, or other species include, the clearwing grasshopper, and this this is one that tends to emerge a little bit earlier, um, and uh, uh, it has a real preference for uh, for grasses. So it's a real problem in cereal crops. Um, I should probably put an asterisk next to that one as well because two-stripe grasshopper can also feed on on cereals, and it can be a real problem in cereals. Uh, it, we've we've noted uh, uh, in uh, uh, relatively recently um, and ongoing that uh, they they seem to have a predilection for uh, for cereal heads, and they can they can be uh, you know cutters of heads and and munchers on uh, on cereal heads, so they can cause a lot of damage to the economically important parts of those plants in relatively short order. Uh, the last species is uh, the lesser migratory grasshopper, and this is actually actually a complex of uh, of a few different species that uh, that get lumped in together uh, as lesser migratory grasshopper. They they look similar, their behaviors are similar, and their host preferences are similar. And in this case, when I say host preferences, it's really broad. I mean, there's very little that isn't on the menu for these. Uh, so they like plants in general. They will they will munch on a wide variety of different plant species. They'll munch on other dead insects. They'll munch on dung. Um, when push comes to shove, there's very little that these animals won't eat. And is anything farmers can prevent a year like this from happening, or is it completely in the hands of Mother Nature? Yeah, well, I mean, I mentioned I mentioned the host preferences before, and, and I think if you're in a region that's dominated, let's say, by Packards uh, or by Two Stripe, then, then you may want to consider... Uh, not planting pulses. If you're in a, if you're in a region that's dominated by clearwing, you may want to consider not planting cereals. You know, rotate you know rotate uh, to uh, to a less preferred crop. But really, uh, the 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 bulk of it is in the hands of Mother Nature. Um, we've had a number of questions about uh, you know uh, 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 putting sprays down on grasshoppers to try to control their populations. 
for next year. And although that can have a very local effect and you are killing grasshoppers and preventing that, that input, um, they're really mobile and, if they're, and, and can be very numerous. Uh, so unless you get, you know, regional cooperation on that control, and that's very difficult to get, uh, obviously, then, then, you know, because they are so mobile, that very localized control probably isn't going to mean all that much. It's a little bit like punching a hole in the water. That was James Tanzi, the Ministry of Agriculture's Provincial Specialist in Insect and Pest. For you. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. Tanner Waldo Scribner filling in for Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch Eaves Troughs. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavesTroughs.ca and the Prairie Co-op Grow Team. Feeling farms and feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton, and Strasburg. Close to 70 communities have reported hail damage to crops after storms produced nickel to baseball-sized hail, according to the Canadian Crop Hail Association. Canadian Crop Hail Association President Scott McQueen of Palliser Insurance explains what adjusters have found from storms from August 8th to the 15th. So for the week of August 8th to 15th for this report, uh, we had 2,100 claims. Um, throughout Saskatchewan, Alberta, Manitoba, um, with the bulk of those claims being in Saskatchewan and Alberta uh, during that week. And what type of crops were affected and those that were affected, what was the severity of the damage? Well, we're still seeing uh, all crops, you know, still in the field. We do have some, you know, your peas and lentils are or are starting to get uh, combined, but you know, we in in some areas they're still out there. Um, obviously, your your canola crops, your cereals are are still out. Um, damages, you know, this time time of the year uh, with crops being uh, you know ready to harvest, they're they're quite susceptible to hail. So even small storms produce uh, you know a little bit heavier damage. So uh, the stone size uh, for that week, you know, obviously ranges from pea size and the majority of the claims uh, up until you get some golf ball size stuff but claim damage we see light to heavy but a lot of the light damage um you know that would be probably less than five is is definitely payable um with with where the crop stage is and if a farmer is hit with a hailstorm and they're looking to make a claim what are the recommendations as to what they should do yeah so i mean immediately they should you know get a claim um, uh, through their agent uh, or, or they can do it themselves um, into into their company, uh, their insurance provider. And then they're okay to uh, continue with harvest. Um, usually it's about a week to 10 days before um, adjusters can get out at this time of the year. So they'll give the, the producer a call. Um, you know, we, we encourage uh, throughout the industry for the producer to you know, if, if they have time to accompany the adjuster on the loss. But if not, it's okay um, if they want to continue, you know, in the combine or, or what they're doing. Um, that's fine, too. Um, if if uh, they want to harvest some of the fields um, that have been hit, um, we just ask for adequate samples um, to be left in, in, in each quarter. So, you know, one in, one in the corners um, and one sort of in the middle of the field. And if they have any questions whatsoever on, on what to leave for a sample, they should. Uh, they just need to contact their insurance provider, and they can provide them with you know a detailed uh, explanation on what they should leave. That was Scott McQueen, the Canadian Crop Hail Association president with Palliser Today.
Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. Sean Haney, your host, joined by Real Agriculture agronomist Peter Wheat, Pete Johnson. Okay, Pete, uh, this is where we start to see as the combines roll, because we should be taking trials to, to yield. So as we start to see some of the, the, the trials come in, what are some of the key things that we need to be considering on our own trials and other trials that people have done that we're getting exposed to? Yeah, so two things that you mentioned there, Sean, that I just got to jump on before we, we go down that road. But it, number one is the number of trials that get put in place in the spring and then get lost by harvest because, oh, the rain's coming, I'm too busy. Oh, I can't, where did I put that truck? Like, we need that data and follow it through. If you go to the work in the spring, please figure out how to get the, the yield data in the fall and you need that yield data and you need it from a reliable source. And what I mean by that is being really cautious on yield monitors because they can be massively impacted by whether you're going uphill or downhill and just the waxiness of the kernel, the moisture content. We've seen that so many times. So, so both of those factors and visual means nothing. If I can't tell you how many times I've looked at a trial and said, man, there's, there's 10 bushel more wheat here. Look at how much better that wheat looks. And the combine gets there and there's a big fat goose egg that, yeah, it did something, but it didn't translate into yield. And at the end of the day, it needs to translate into yield or protein or something you get paid for because the product rarely comes for free. In fact, I don't think the product ever comes for free. So both of those things, I, I think, great points, Sean. Yeah, and that's, I understand how someone would abandon it because like to harvest is so time crunched, but this is where I think some of the new technologies that are out there to be able to use, um, you know, some of the, the tracking and things like that, that make some of these trials a lot easier than having to yank around that way wagon or fill up, a, you know, fill up a truck separately and take it home and weigh it or stop at the elevator and weigh it. At least that part of it, there's some tools available to make this a little bit more of a smooth process. Now, you got to have those tools, but uh, the, there's an opportunity to make it a little bit easier, easier on yourself. So, provided that we agree with kind of the methodology and it was a fair trial, it, what, what should we, how should we look at those results? Because I, I hear from growers, wow, that was a private trial. No good. It's just all biased. Like, I don't think that's always the the case um, and no different than if a neighbor did a trial, but I know that the methodology was not exactly very scientific, so to speak, then that data is even more useless. So how do you balance all this? Yeah. So first off, just because it's a private trial, if, if it is a reputable company, 
I really believe their results. And the reason I say that, Sean, is if I'm Corteva or I'm Bayer Crop Science or, or whoever, if I put out data that doesn't represent what the farmer is going to experience in the field, Man, that's short-term gain for long-term. I'm never buying that seed again, or I'm never buying that product again. But some of the other things that I really think you need to focus on is, you know, number of replications in the trial. And so I can't, like lots of times, the field simply gets, starts to yield better as you move across the field. And whether that's manure history or whether that's, just a soil type change or topography or it got more rain on that side of the field. I mean, gosh, we've seen that this year where the back of the farm gets almost nothing and the front of the farm gets an an extra inch. Well, you you really do need some replication or at the very least a check variety or check treatment that you have on both sides and hopefully once in the middle to just give you some indication of how reliable that data is. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. At every turn. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather forecast is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina. Specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan, call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jock Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejocktruckshop.com. Today it's sunny with a high of 30, tonight clear with a low of 11. Tomorrow it's sunny with a high of 33, and tomorrow night there's a low of 14. On Thursday there's a high of 31, Friday a high of 24, Saturday a high of 29, and on Sunday a high of 33. The normal high for today is 21 degrees, the normal low for today is 7 degrees. Sunrise was at 6.09 this morning, and sunset is scheduled for 7.49 tonight. Around the province at this hour, in Estevan, it's 27 degrees, Moose Jaw, 28 degrees, Swift Current, 27, Weyburn, 26, Yorkton, 27, and in Regina, it's 28 degrees. We'll be back in 385. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gribner. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, McDougalAuctions.com, and brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems. Experts in liquid fertilizer distribution, fertilizers just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems, expect the best. We are seeing some early harvested wheat and other grains move into the Western Canadian transportation system. Michael Wilton is an analyst with Mercantile Consulting Venture and prepared this week's market report for the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. Canadian producers delivered 191,000 tons of grain into the Canadian elevator system, a slight uptick from the previous weeks as some new crop is likely starting to enter the system. Exports were low at 130,000 tons. There is still just under 1.8 million tons of visible supplies in the Canadian system. 
Canadian grain exports are going to fight for capacity against high-priced coal movement, which we fear will take priority over ag exports. Like Canada, the U.S. wheat harvest is off to a good start. 46% of the U.S. spring wheat crop has been harvested. Durham harvest is 38% complete in Montana. Yields have been extremely poor, and we have heard of many yields in the single digits. Durham harvest in North Dakota, however, is 23% complete, and yields are much stronger there. There was some rain in the U.S. winter wheat belt, but overall it remains dry. Planting will start in the next few weeks. Drought conditions continue to persist in China. The worst affected areas continue to be along the Yangtze River, where a significant portion of their rice crop is grown. Significant losses in their rice production are being reported, which may lead to additional wheat imports. The European Union, and France in particular, are harvesting more lower-protein wheat than usual. 27% of the wheat samples tested have protein levels less than the 11% minimum for milling markets. 58% of the crop is below the 11.5% protein level, which is normally the minimum for export. The EU remains dry ahead of planting season. There is some rain in the 14-day forecast, but we will see if this comes into fruition. Looking at the Black Sea region, there are many questions about the upcoming crop in Ukraine. Planting season in Ukraine will start next month, but it is not apparent how much of the crop will be planted. It is estimated that 40% of Ukraine's winter wheat area is under Russian control. In addition to this is a general lack of money for inputs and local wheat prices that are below the cost of production. Current estimates for planting losses are ranging from 30 to 75% depending on the region. Wilton says 33 vessels have been able to leave Ukraine with another 20 ships ready to load. However, most of it has been corn with only 100,000 tons of wheat exported to date. Meantime, Russia is looking at a very large wheat crop in the neighborhood of 100 million tons. A crop of that size would result in 55 million tons worth of exportable surplus, but capacity limitations will not allow for this. The current pace of Russian exports is an annualized 32 to 34 million tons. In conclusion, Wilton says the wheat market will continue to follow corn. Wheat demand remains slow, and winter wheat harvest is wrapping up in the northern hemisphere, and Canada's harvest is progressing well, so production amounts are essentially accounted for in the market. Argentina's drought will need to be watched, as well as planting conditions in the EU, US, and Ukraine. Michael Wilton is an analyst with Mercantile Consulting Venture and prepared this week's market report for the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. For a listen to the full report, you can visit Sask Wheat's website. Here. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Covering for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gribner. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Dagelman Industries. Look to Dagelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market in our COLA building supplies. Small town lumberyard, big on service, com. Canadian farmers that are directly impacted by climate change and its effects that can be detrimental to sustaining observations. To provide this assurance for producers, 
producers as they make difficult herd management decisions. An initial list of designated regions in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba where livestock tax deferral has been authorized from 2022 due to extreme weather conditions. The livestock tax deferral provision allows livestock producers who are forced to sell a significant amount of their breeding herd due to a drought or flooding to defer a portion of their income from sales until the following tax year. The income may at least be partially offset by the cost of reacquiring breeding animals, therefore reducing the potential tax burden associated with the original sale. Eligible regions that have been identified based on weather, climate, and production data in consultation with the industry and provinces. The criteria for identifying regions for the Livestock Tax Deferral Program includes four shortfalls of 50% or more caused by drought or excessive moisture. The Government of Canada will continue to monitor conditions across the country to determine whether the addition of other regions throughout the year is required. In addition to the Livestock Tax Deferral Provision, producers have access to the comprehensive suite of business risk management programs to help them manage significant risks that threaten the viability of their farm and that are beyond their capacity to manage. The BRM programs are often the first line of support for producers facing disasters and farmers are encouraged to make use of these programs to protect their farming operations. To help farm families succeed in the changing climate, the government of Canada has said that it will continue to support farmers with the tools they need to get through the challenges of today while working to build a sustainable future in the agriculture sector, Inc. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source 620 CKRM. Tanner Wallace Scribner filling in for Jim Smalley with the Market Update brought to you by Freeze Talman. Get everything you need to finish your projects before fall from Freeze Talman in Regina and Fort Capel. Looking at the latest Viterra price quotes, Durham at 40862, feed barley 27287, canola down 11 points to 780-2022, chickpeas 925-95, flax 627-67, lentils 704-50, Oats 269.53, yellow peas 431.13, feed wheat 289.56, and one red spring wheat is down four points to 393.67. We'll be back right after this. Saskatchewan. It's the Livestock Reports on the Source 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Leyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Leyburn at 842-4574. Now here are the latest Livestock Quotes with Heartland Livestock in Weyburn. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of August 30th. Our last regular sale was on August 17th. Cows and bulls have been selling well. D1 and D2 cows sold from $1.03 to $1.18. D3 cows sold from $0.90 cents to $1.03. Canner cows sold from $0.50 cents to $0.70. Cents. Hefferet sold from $1.32 to $1.51. And good butcher bulls sold from $1.25 to $1.45. We had a pre-sorted sale, yearling sale here on August 15th. 550 to 600 pound steers averaged $2.37 and sold up to $2.45. 
600 to 650 pound steers averaged $2.41 and sold up to $2.45. 650 to 700 pound steers averaged $2.46 and sold up to $2.58. 700 to 800 pound steers averaged $2.39 and sold up to $2.58. 800 to 900 pound steers averaged $2.26 and sold up to $2.38. Steers over 900 pounds averaged $2.09 and sold up to $2.30. Heifers were 15 to 20 cents back from the steers. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets cattle and the prices too. Coming up next, it's the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gridner. Now the Resource Report brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit secondlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid and brought to you by Western Egg Professional Agronomy. If you want to make cropping decisions with confidence, visit growmoreprofit.com. The Saskatchewan government says it is expanding a program that promotes positive mental health in students. It says it is spending an additional $800,000 in 2022 and 2023 to add five schools to its mental health capacity building initiative. The five schools selected for the program's expansion are the Churchill Community High School in LaRange, Prince Albert Collegiate Institute, St. John Community School in Prince Albert, and two are in the southern portion of the province. Weyburn's Comprehensive High School and a Dr. Brad school in Yorkton were also selected. The initiative promotes mental health in children, youth, families, and people in the community who interact with children by focusing on prevention, early identification, and intervention. On the markets, the TSX is down 351 points. The Dow Jones is down 375. Oil is down $4.95 to be trading at $92.04 per barrel. And the Canadian dollar is down 49 one-hundredths of a cent to be trading at $76.37 U.S. If you missed any segment of the show, tune into the on-demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. I've been Tanner Wallace-Scribner and that's Saskatchewan Agriculture. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.